Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, November 29th. Coming up, how the racial composition of juries affects the sentences they hand down. We'll hear how that issue has played out in one case in Missouri. But first, some headlines. People in Kansas could soon be able to seek abortion pills with telemedicine visits after a judge blocked a state law banning the practice. Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service reports. Kansas clinics say it could be several months before they begin offering abortion pill prescriptions over telemedicine. But they say the ability to do that will help expand abortion access to more Kansans, especially those who live far from the state's five clinics, which are clustered around Wichita and Kansas City, Kansas. Elizabeth Nash is with the Guttmacher Institute, a research group that supports abortion rights. She says that while the decision is important, it's not the end of the road. The case is not finished. And there's certainly more that's going to happen in the legislature around abortion in the coming years. Anti-abortion advocates say the decision is possible because voters rejected a ballot measure in August that would have stripped abortion rights from the state constitution. The legal sale of recreational marijuana is expected to start in Missouri soon. Kyle Palmer reports on what that might mean for police agencies in Johnson County, Kansas, where marijuana remains illegal. Police in Prairie Village, Overland Park, and Leewood all say they have no plans to set up checkpoints at the border once recreational marijuana officially becomes legal in Missouri next month. Likewise, Johnson County District Attorney Steve Howe says given the pressure on local police to solve other crimes right now, he doesn't expect an increase in efforts to clamp down on things like marijuana possession. Meanwhile, the Kansas legislature is expected to again consider legalizing medical cannabis next year. Kansas remains one of only a handful of states where both medical and recreational pot are illegal. The Missouri Supreme Court has ruled that the execution of Kevin Johnson will take place today. The 37-year-old was sentenced to death by lethal injection for killing a police officer in 2005. One issue at the heart of the case is the racial composition of the mostly white jury that convicted Johnson, who is Black. Sarah Fenske is an editor and journalist working in St. Louis. She spoke to KCUR's Brian Ellison about why all white juries are more likely to sentence people to death and why more diverse juries deliberate for longer. The Missouri Supreme Court heard arguments yesterday in Kevin Johnson's case. Sarah, take us back and remind us of the basics. Who is Kevin Johnson and what was he convicted of doing? So Kevin Johnson was 19 years old when he killed a Kirkwood police officer. That's a St. Louis suburb. He has acknowledged that he killed him. And even if he tried to say he he hadn't, nobody would believe it. There were a lot of witnesses. Um, but what Kevin's case rests on is the fact that he was 19 years old at the time. He was distraught um, just two hours before his beloved younger brother had died in an incident where this Kirkwood police officer was there on the scene. And Kevin blamed him in part for the fact that that this young man died of a seizure. He has since said that he was wrong about that. But at the time, he was in a, a bad state of mind, 19 years old, very difficult childhood upbringing, Um, And in that moment, apparently snapped and shot this police officer and killed him. And he was sentenced to death for that. And obviously, these things take a lot of time. It's been wending its way through the court system. His execution date uh, was scheduled for today. But that conviction you mentioned actually occurred 
in his second trial, there was an important difference between the juries in the second trial and the first. Yeah. So the first trial, this is in St. Louis County Circuit Court, it ended in a mistrial. Basically, jurors deadlocked. They couldn't decide whether he was guilty of first degree murder. And why that's important here is that only first degree murder would be eligible for the death penalty. He might well have been doing the rest of his life in prison, but he wouldn't have been put to death if they had ended up going for a lesser charge. So the jurors deadlocked on that. Um, a new jury was convened, as happens under the law when that happens. And this jury ended up coming up with the conviction. Now, the difference here is that this second jury had fewer black members on it. Hmm. The story you wrote starts with a quote from Clarence Darrow. Never forget, almost every case has been won or lost when the jury is sworn. Turns out that the numbers bear that out. In this case, a jury with only three black members convicted of first-degree murder, while a jury that included six black members chose not to. How widespread is that phenomenon? Do the numbers bear out that uh, the racial composition of juries has an impact on outcomes? Yeah, I mean, there have been some studies of this. And what they have found is that all white juries are more likely to sentence black defendants to death. They've also found that juries deliberate better and longer when they're more diverse. Now, when it comes to Kevin's case, this jury that convicted him, it did have three black members on it. That's basically representative of what was in St. Louis County at the time. This wasn't one of these all white juries, which we have seen in multiple cases of Black people being sentenced to death and ultimately executed that came out of St. Louis County. Where this gets interesting, so it's not just a question of is the jury representative, it's also in federal law that you can't strike a juror on the basis of their race. There are plenty of reasons why you can say, hey, this member of the jury pool isn't the right juror for this case. This is somebody who it doesn't make sense to be sitting on this jury. But you can't say, this is a black man. This man shouldn't be on the jury because he's black. This is a black woman. She shouldn't be on the jury because she was black. And this pool in the Kevin Johnson case started with more black jurors than ended up on it. And it's been raised um, by his attorneys that there were black jurors that they believe were excused from this jury on the basis of their race. And that controversy is one of the many controversies surrounding this case. So walk us through how that happens in jury selection. Uh, the phenomenon is called peremptory challenges, where the prosecution uh, can simply strike a juror without giving a reason. When the defense thinks that it's because of the race of that juror, what, what happens? So at that point, it becomes, they're saying, I've, I've got a Batson challenge. It's after a 1986 court case called Batson versus Kentucky, where the Supreme Court basically set the standard here. And if they're saying, I've got a Batson challenge, I think that you decided to excuse this juror because of their race. Then at that point, the judge turns to the prosecution and says, okay, explain to me, why did you excuse this juror? The prosecution has to come up with a reason. If they were to say in response, yeah, I didn't want a black person on this jury. I thought I wouldn't get a fair shake as a prosecutor. That doesn't hold water. They can't do that. Now, prosecutors, of course, don't do that. They come in and they say, oh, well, in you know, some prominent St. Louis County cases, they work for the Postal Service. I, as a prosecutor, never like to have postmen on my jury uh, because postal workers, I have found, have a bad attitude. 
And that can be enough. The Batson standard actually holds. It doesn't have to be true. It just could be true. It's called facial validity. If it could be true on its face, the judge is allowed to accept it. And he could say, okay, you're allowed to strike that juror. And at that point, you find yourself with a jury pool that has one fewer black juror in it. So it seems like the Batson standard may not be entirely fair. At least some people don't think so. Is there some alternative out there? Yeah, you know, some states have said this is a problem. We're seeing time and again, jurors are being excused. They're frequently black jurors being excused. And the rules seem to allow allow that. If it's facial validity, it's pretty hard to argue, well, it couldn't be true on its face. So the state of Washington is one example of a state that has changed its rules. They say that instead of facial validity, a judge should view peremptory strike from what a, quote, reasonable average person would think. So if the reasonable average person is thinking they didn't get rid of this person because they're a post worker, they got rid of this person because they're black. At that point, the judge could say, hey, this doesn't hold water. This juror gets to stay. Arizona has gone even further than that. It's gotten rid of peremptory challenges entirely. So you can still strike a juror for cause if someone has an actual conflict, if they can't be fair in this case. And that's something that's brought out in the questioning of the jury pool. You can still get rid of them, but you can't do it for something as simple as I don't like postal workers or as it translates, I don't like black people. I want to jump back to an observation you made that there is a difference in the quality of deliberations when you have a more diverse jury. Can you go into a little more detail about that? What is the difference? How does a jury operate differently when it has, as in the the first Kevin Johnson case, say, six white jurors and six black jurors? So this is something I learned from Peter Joy. He's a professor of law and director of the Criminal Justice Clinic at Washington University School of Law in St. Louis. And he's studied juries extensively. And it was so interesting talking to him about this because he says basically every study they have ever done shows that a diverse jury leads to better deliberations, that people are talking about the cases longer, they're more likely to do effective fact-finding, that the individual biases that any of us, all of us, frankly, come in with, that this is something that gets mitigated when the jurors are in the room, that some kind of magic happens, I guess, almost like the people who set up our government envisioned, you know, the jury of your peers ends up being a jury that more accurately reflects uh, the, the makeup of America, that this ends up leading to a better sentence. Hmm, go figure. Yeah, it is interesting. It kind of gives you some faith in the ideas behind the system. And I think that's what led some people to question, is the way this system is working in reality, is it holding up to these ideals? Is BATS in the right standard? You know, this case goes back to 1986. There's been a lot of reforms in the criminal justice system since then. And I think some people are looking at this standard and saying, okay, the way that Missouri and the way that many states handle these peremptory challenges, is this getting us the best jury that we could get? Is this leading to justice? And, you know, now that's front and center in this Kevin Johnson case. So beyond this case, are there some long-term efforts to address this in Missouri? Will we ever see changes in how juries in potential death penalty cases are selected? You know, I hate to be a cynic, um, but I'd be very surprised if this is something that ends up getting tackled in Missouri. When I talked to Peter Joy, again, that expert at, at Washington University, he said he is not aware of any effort to try to address this. I will say, though, you know, there's been some meaningful criminal justice reforms in Missouri in recent years where they're going through and saying, OK, these overly long sentences for, for drugs, these are not just, you know, sort of chipping away at some of these things through the rules of how the court system operates. And this is one that I think would be ripe for the legislature to look at. It, it could be interesting to see if that would be something they would even discuss. 
That was St. Louis-based journalist Sarah Fenske and KCUR's Brian Ellison. You can read Sarah's story about Kevin Johnson from the River City Journalism Fund at kcur.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more Kansas and Missouri news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org, where you can also hear our live stream. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. On this season's final episode of KCUR Studios and the NPR Midwest Newsroom's investigative series, Overlooked, Chapter 6, Untouchable. Residents of Kansas City, Kansas had been sounding alarms about Detective Roger Golubsky and corruption in the police department for decades. Power is best shared when you share it with the authorities of the people. And if you don't do that, we will flood your office with victims and survivors But city leaders did nothing, and Golubsky retired in peace while the families of his victims mourned. It wasn't until a year after KCUR started working on this podcast that the FBI finally arrested Golubsky on just a fraction of his alleged crimes. So he's the, the reason society is messed up, and he gets a pass still to this day. I didn't think I'd be emotional about that, man. I thought it'd be whatever, but that stuff is crazy, man. You're looking at your justice system again, it worked, man. It don't work the same way for everybody. What does justice even look like after all this time? From KCUR Studios and the Midwest Newsroom, Overlooked investigates the systematic problems long left unaddressed throughout the Midwest. Download the six-episode series wherever you get your podcasts. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive.